The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Please be seated as you're taking your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. I believe he's coming back again. I believe that he is enough. I believe that he is sufficient. I believe that he reigns. And I believe that we have good reason to not fret this morning, but to say that our shepherd has not led us astray before. Amen? If he's not led us astray before, why ought not we to trust him now? I'm going to. I've already decided to. I hope you will with me. Philippians chapter 4 is where you can be taking your Bibles. Interesting day, interesting times. It's been a long time since I've preached with the phone. I'm not sure if I've ever preached with the phone waiting for a text to come in while I'm preaching, but 2020 was full of new experiences and so is 2021. So here we go. Philippians chapter 4. As we continue in God's Word through the series titled Joy, I'm excited to be in it with you today. So if I were to be able to go to your house and rummage through your garage, I would find some sets of tools. I would find tools for the car. I would find a set of tools for a house, tools that you use to repair your home. In most homes, you might find some garden tools and perhaps you'd even find some specialty tools like woodworking or leatherworking or tools for firearms or whatever it is that is a hobby for you. You've got tools for it. And men are terrible at this because sometimes we'll go into a hobby not because we like the hobby, but because we like the tools for the hobby. And I'm really bad at this because sometimes I've got tools for the tools for the hobby that I don't even really care much about. But it's, it's about the tools. And what you would find in each one of those sets of tools is specialty tools that are designed specifically for specific tasks. They're different than other tools. They may have some similarities to others, but, but they're made for specific jobs. And when you pull that specific tool, whether it's something you're working on with your car, say a spark plug socket, something that maybe you don't use all the time, but when it comes time to need to remove a spark plug, you need that socket. It's specially designed for that task or for your home. If you're doing some electrical work, you need those cutters that can, can strip the outer casing of a wire off. You need that specific tool for those specific types of jobs. In the book of Philippians, we've been seeing that God has been putting tools in the joy toolbox, if you will, for this church at Philippi and thus for all the churches that have received this as scripture. And not only just general tools, but also special tools, things that are specially designed for specific circumstances and specific times in which we find ourselves in. Jesus said in John 16, that in this world, you will have tribulation. If you testify that that is true, let all God's people say yes. We have seen and known that to be true. And it seems to me that the church at Philippi, the Philippian church, was a good candidate for these kinds of special tools to be given to them. And the reason why is because as best we can tell, the book of Philippians was written very early 60 AD, about 61 AD, 61 years approximately after the time of Christ. 
And what we know of that time period was in 64 AD was when the fires in Rome came about. Now, Rome is quite a ways from Philippi, but we know that that time period in which not just in Rome and the churches around Rome, but the church at large experienced some great persecution. This church was going to need some special tools, some things that were specific for the specific time in which they were to walk through, although at the time it was unbeknownst to them. Paul was a good candidate to give them these tools. The reason is, is because he knew how to use them. A lot of the scriptures that God used him to write, he's writing from prison. He even said, I've, I've learned how to suffer need and to be hungry and naked and cold and all these. I've learned how to go through all these things and still yet be content because he, he had these special things that he wanted to impart to this church. And I believe that these special things, these special tools, if you will, to follow the illustration, I believe that you and I this very day are a very good candidate to receive these things. And the reason is, is because we, are, we, like the church at Philippi, are facing uncertain times and uncertain days. But as I said earlier, this is not a reason for us to fret. John 16, 33, it says, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, our shepherd says, our master says, the Savior of the world says. He says to us that I have already overcome the world. And if that's good news to you, say amen. So we're going to dig right into God's Word, but first we're going to humble our hearts and pray that, that we would see the Scripture for what it really is, because I believe with all my heart that if we see this in clarity, that it will absolutely change your life of how we traverse this next year and how we trust Him, how we utilize these things that He has given us. So let's pray. Father, You have always, you've always been enough. You've always provided everything that we have needed. Even before we know what to ask for, you, you've proven yourself to be good in such a way that we realize that you're working on the solutions to problems that we don't even know we have yet. So I ask for this people, God, that by your Holy Spirit, through the power of your word, that you would draw us to trust you. To trust you, to, to really not fret and to really not have high blood pressure and to really not experience the anxiety that a lost world without a savior is is experiencing right now lord we ought to go through this so different because because of who you are and father i pray now that that would be be so for this body of believers in jesus name and we all say together amen philippians 4 look to verse 2 where we read and it says, I implore Iodia and I implore Sintichi or Sintichi, depending on how that name is pronounced, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers. So what we see here is, is we're getting ready to wind down this book, and as Paul's bringing this letter to conclusion, it's almost like when a parent is teaching their child how to ride a bike, and they'll hold the back of the seat, and they'll run alongside, and then they'll, they'll toss them off as the kid goes on their way. And the parent also, the, the goal is also always to, to let the seat go when they're upright, to set them off on the right way. A good parent would never pull the side of the seat down to the side to make it difficult. He wants to set them off in the best way possible. We see Paul having this kind of heart towards this church that he loves. 
And the way that the, what he wanted for this church was to be sent off in, in like-mindedness, which, gentlemen, is the first slide in our first note today. He wanted them to be in like-mindedness together. We don't really know what the issue was between these two ladies, but we know that whatever the issue was, he wanted them to find like-mindedness together as they marched forward into the future. We know that this has been a common theme throughout the book of Philippians. God already said through Paul in Philippians 2, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now there are three avenues through which, if you will, that, that this tool of like-mindedness we are to use. There's three ways in which it shows us how to use this tool in our lives today. And the first way that it shows us to use this like-mindedness type of tool is in verse 3, part B, where it says, and whose names are in the book of life. So the first thing Paul wanted this, these people to see with these two ladies, he, he wanted those two ladies, again, we don't know what the issue was between them, but he wanted them to be able to look at each other and irrespective of the difference that they had, whether it was theological or whether it was some other way of maybe they were, the way they were parenting their children or whatever the issue was, whatever the division was between them, he wanted them to look at each other and recognize that they were both written, their names are both written in the Lamb's Book of Life and therefore they ought to have unity we will need to do this we have already needed to do this you have needed to forgive this pastor i have needed to forgive some of you and and we have done this we we, we will have differences we do have differences there will be things that we just sit down at a table and just see it differently and disagree on but if we can agree that both of our names are written in the book of life then we ought to have unity because of that that's how we ought to use this kind of tool now i am by no means perfect church, but just this week I had a conversation with a pastor, as a matter of fact, who, who I see differently on a whole host of things, and he probably wants to smack me, but that's all right because I want to smack him too. And, but as, as, as really horrible of a conversation as it was, at the very end I said, you know what, I still love you. I still love your family. Man, I would, I would still take a bullet for you. I still really, really do love you. Even though I disagree with you on all these things, I believe that your name is in the book of life. And therefore, if you believe the same thing of me, we ought to have unity even with these differences. So that's the first way in which we are to use this like-mindedness kind of tool. The second way is found in verse 4, which I invite you to look at, where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Everyone say the word rejoice with me. Ready, set, go. Rejoice. We ought to have as believers together, regardless of things that we agree or disagree on, assuming the things, the main things, the person of Christ, our salvation, all those things are in line. We as believers together ought to have this kind of heavenward attitude together, this, this unified thing that we are marching towards, this rejoice together in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. We ought to have this rejoicing together attitude about us. It's kind of like it was where I preached last week in Hebrews 12.2, where it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, this is Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He had this upward call in his life. It was what he was marching towards. We ought to have that same kind of vision together as we use this like-mindedness kind of tool. Now, Amish folks will tell you that if you have two horses that bicker and fight in the pasture, kicking each other and biting and all the things that horses will do when they don't get along happens commonly, 
They say that if you can take those two horses, even if they hate each other, and you can put the, put the collars on them and put them side by side in front of a plow, they say they'll be, they'll be fighting as long as they're standing still not doing anything, but the moment they both start pulling the plow together and you, you sink the tip of that plow down into that hard soil, and they both have to walk and they both have to pull and they both have to press, the moment that they have an objective goal together, those horses will begin to get along. Kind of interesting. And you look to your neighbor and say, did the pastor really just compare us to Clydesdales? And the answer is yes, because I compared myself. I'm throwing myself in there with all of us together. We're family together, church. Yes, I did compare you to Clydesdales. But anyway, um, so rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now you might say to yourself, well, Pastor Ben, are you sure that's really tied into this like-mindedness that Paul was encouraging for these two ladies? And I would say yes. And the reason is, is because the third way that I see Paul's telling us how to use this tool of like-mindedness in the world we are in, look to verse 5, the third way. It's all in line together where then it says in verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Say the Lord is at hand with me. Ready, set, go. The Lord is at hand. He wants us to be remembering that our names are in the book of life. Therefore, find unity and like-mindedness. Rejoice together in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. Upward call together that we're marching towards and also letting our gentleness be known to all mankind. And the reason why, the motivation for this is because the Lord is at hand. Many of you probably can remember like I was as a child, you're growing up and, and your siblings, you're driving together, you're all young siblings and you're driving together somewhere in the car. And what do, what do siblings do in the back seat when they're driving somewhere? You bicker and fight, right? And me growing up in the 90s, it was, it was the thing that you, it was the weapon of choice to hit your sibling with was a cassette book. You guys remember those things? And I was a homeschooled family, so it was Adventures and Odyssey. So you grab your Adventures and Odyssey cassette book. I'm not sure what you older folks did. You guys have like a record book? I mean, you could take someone's head off with those things. And I'm not sure what kids today are supposed to do. It's like you can't hit somebody in the head with a, with a data cloud. So I'm not sure what, how that's supposed to look. But, but your sibling will be driving you crazy. You grab your Adventures and Odyssey cassette book and you're winding up getting ready to just smack them one good right across the temple. And then your parent turns around and looks at you with that laser vision that just pierces through your body. And, and even, even if it, it can bounce off of the rearview mirror and go back to they, they, and then what do you do as a kid? You set it down and you straighten your back and you don't say a word. You'll learn real quick what it means to behold the Lord is at hand. I mean, you, 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 you shape up real fast there. And, and that is the same motivation we ought to remember the Lord is at hand, church. The Lord is at hand in our unity, our like-mindedness our gentleness being known to all men. Now, I wish personally, I wish it just said that we had to just let our gentleness be known around here because I recognize that gentleness in today's world is, is really tough. I mean, at least for me, I'll just be transparent with you. The whole gentleness thing is tough. And, and I'm not trying to make a scriptural excuse for my misbehavior, but we see there in Isaiah 5.20 where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It's an upside down. I mean, we are living in those days. We live in a completely upside down, backward world. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, we all understand how that is. And, and people say that gender is malleable, but they demand female leadership. It's like, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. 
People march the streets and say that black lives matter, but demand that the most prevalent, the most common leading cause of death for black lives is available to everyone and, and, and all over the place. It doesn't make any sense. People say that criminals ought to be let go out of jails. Dangerous, violent criminals ought to be let go from jail, but that churchgoers are a threat to public health. We live in a backward, upside-down world, church. It, it, and the initial response, at least for me, maybe you're not quite the belligerent redneck that I am, but for me, the initial response is to grab your cassette book and try to hit the culture upside the head, but we are to, we are to use the tool of like-mindedness. Letting our gentleness be made known to the whole world, to all men. Not just men inside the church, but people outside the church also ought to know of our gentleness. Our great passion and our great zeal for the truth, yes, but also our gentleness. We would do well, church, to remember that Jesus and John 3.19, that men love darkness more than they love light. As long as we are in a world where there's people that love darkness rather than light, there's always going to want to be this riled up feeling inside of us that people love darkness. That's why the world is upside down. That's why things are backward in today's world. But, but when we are people of the light, us together as a church, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to have like-mindedness together. And I don't know about you, church, but I really pity. I really pity a lot of people that are facing the year 2021. Without this kind of unity, without this kind of like-mindedness, without this the safety of a church without the strength that we have together the encouragement that we have together it's kind of funny when you really think about it when you think about like before jesus and even after jesus what god's people were doing they were in in fear of the overreach of the government huddled together waiting on jesus to come with what they had of god's word with the great hope and expectation of jesus and what are we all doing today <laughs> The exact same thing. It's like fast forward 2,000 years and boy, we've come full circle. We're, we're right there. So we are to use the tool of like-mindedness because our names are written in the book of life, rejoicing together for that upward call on our lives and also with gentleness being, being made known to all men because the Lord is at hand. If you've got it, say got it. Verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... Got to check my phone, church, sorry. But, by, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I hope you follow along closely here, church, because there's some great, there's some great stuff here. And I, I hope you see what's here. So the prescription, if you will, for us is to pray in this supplication, thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God kind of way, and then the peace of God, which is beyond understanding. It doesn't make any sense to people as to why we would have it. It may not even make sense to us as to why we would have it, but this peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, will be a guard to us. That's the, that's the way in which we're to go about this. But the problem here is this, is because we can pray for things. We can do it just like that. We can pray humbly, in everything, prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, and we can pray for things. We can even pray for peace, for this peace of God that surpasses all understanding to come to us. And sometimes those prayers aren't answered. That's the problem. We, that, that's where some people, I think, have a hiccup in this is because, because sometimes this doesn't always work. Sometimes we're just stressed and full of anxiety and we, we want God's peace. We, we feel like we're praying and doing all these things, but... Here's where I think the problem is in this church is because I think we give 
credence to the power in this in verse 6 and not give credence to the real power that it is in verse 7. And here's what I mean by that. We give credence to this power of us praying and and us going to God in this supplication with thanksgiving and and us making our requests being made known to God. We, we, We have a tendency to make things about us. Have you noticed that about the human race here lately? We love talking about us. We love making it about us. We love that kind of thing. It's what our sinful hearts are drawn towards. But I'm not convinced that God doing the miraculous thing of giving us peace that surpasses all understanding is really that much about us in the verse 6 portion there. I'm more convinced, church, that it's much more about the end of verse 7. Did you see it there where it says, "In the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Everyone say, through Christ Jesus with me. Ready, set, go. Through Christ Jesus. So if we are to be anxious for nothing, it's going to be through Christ Jesus. If we are to, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, it's going to be through Christ Jesus. Letting our requests be made known to God through Christ Jesus. The through Christ Jesus part of this verse, it's the hinge around which the door is swinging. It's the axle around which the wheel is turning. I hope you understand and see that clearly there. So the second thing that we can write down, our second point this morning, the tool that we need moving forward, this joy-filled tool that we need moving forward, peace from Jesus' exclusive ability. Peace from Jesus' exclusive ability. Only He has it. Only He can provide it. Only He can give it. Peace from Jesus' exclusive ability. If you want that kind of peace, amen. You've probably heard the illustration, I think I've even used it from this pulpit before, of of two painters that were engaging in a contest to see who could who could paint the greatest picture of of peace, the most peaceful painting that they could create. Both of them were skilled, and one of them paints this picture of a beautiful sunset in a beach-type setting. Beautiful palm trees. You could almost feel the gentle wind blowing across the seashore right there as you saw this beautiful painting, and, and the judges were just in awe of it. They were... Somewhat surprised when the second painter turns his painting around and it shows this storm, this, this coastline in the middle of the night, dark. It shows lightning cracking across the sky. You can almost hear the thunder just by looking at the, this painting. And there's rain coming down. It shows the wind. And it's just this really ugly, horrible drawing picture. But as they look at it for a moment, somewhat befuddled as to what they were looking at, they look closer and they realize that in the very corner of the painting... In the cleft of this rock, there was this bird that had her wings stretched out with her young underneath her, perfectly protected from the chaos that was going on around them. And the judges awarded that as the winner as they said, this is the better picture of peace. Psalm 91 verse 1 through 2 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. So ought we to be obedient to Scripture? Yes. We ought to do what Philippians 4, 6 says. We ought to go to the Lord in prayer with supplication and thanksgiving, letting all all our requests being made known to God. Yes, absolutely, we ought to do that. But we also ought to remember to pray like Jesus did where He goes up on the mountain. He sought a place of seclusion to just be under the shadow of the Almighty. To, to, to be in that place where he's 
communing with God in a sweet and special kind of way. I wonder sometimes if our prayers, if all we do is ask for things. When sometimes if in prayer we ought to just be like Jesus, where we go just to abide in His presence. Just to be with Him. Just to, just, just to escape the world for a moment. To escape the turmoil and the waves and the wind and the rain. And just to just be under His shadow. To enjoy that peace, to enjoy that presence. I believe that's where the power of it comes from, church. Because of what He can do, what He is able to do. Let us be obedient to Scripture, yes. Let us also follow the, the, the pattern of our Savior and put, placing ourselves underneath the great protection that only Jesus can provide. If you're following along, say amen. We have seen, church, that people are finding, people are finding out left and right in today's world what is not bringing peace. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that in the culture and the world? People are figuring out what is what has the things they trusted in that they're now finding out were absolutely paper thin. I'm finding that out about some things too. You find it's like, man, the things that the things that were kind of a band-aid on on your emotions and your anxiety and the things you worried about, the things that the things that you did just to kind of help you cope. Man, it's learning in today's world that it's it's garbage. It's complete garbage. So I want to I want to be like Jesus was when he goes and just places himself under the shadow of the Father. Amen. So our tools that are given to us for this special time in which we find ourselves that the church at Philippi also found themselves in like-mindedness and peace from Jesus exclusive ability. I invite you now to look to verse 8. For this famous text where we read and it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. If you think that's a good verse, say amen. You know, one of the tools that most all of us have in our houses that we probably didn't think about today, that I didn't think about until this week, that it's like, man, if you didn't have this one particular tool, it, it, our lives would be just kind of messed up in a big way. Um, you know, I'm doubting any of us woke up this morning and we're thankful for our well. If you have a well water, I know a lot of us out in the country, a lot of us live on wells and whatnot, but the filter that filters your water. Did anybody wake up thankful about that filter? I just thought, you know, but seriously, you think about it. Like I can go up into my house and you turn on the sink and it pours out cold, clean, good well water. And the reason that it's clean is, is because it's been filtered through that filter. I don't think about it much, but boy, is it nice to have that little thing. You know, I sometimes wonder what, what would come out of the sink if you just had just some raw pipe with no filter filtration whatsoever, and it was just stuck down on the ground in your well, and you go and turn on your sink. Can you imagine what would be spitting and sputtering out of your sink? It'd be full of sand and silt and mud. You'd have good, clean water, but mixed in with it would be this with this thing that would not be good for you to drink. It would look like mud. There'd be sand. You could see the sediment on the bottom of the cup. It, it would not be a good thing. And the reason, that, the reason that you have the filter is so that you can determine what's the good is from the bad. And church, we need this kind of filter. So our last point this morning that would be our next slide this morning, gentlemen, is a purity filter. We need, in today's life, a purity 
filter, a Philippians 4, 8 through 9 purity filter. So we can figure out what's good and what's bad. So we can figure out what's true and what's false. And just in case you're wondering how this joyful tool works in our today's world, here are some examples of things that would be a really good idea to put through this kind of filter, this Philippians 4, 8 through 9 filter. The news. Somebody say amen. Somebody help me. That needs to go through the filter. Anything that you see on social media needs to go through the filter. Anything that you hear on the radio needs to go through the filter. Anything in today's world that has a screen or a speaker, it needs the Philippians 4, verse 8 through 9 filter. We need that tool. If it's not true, trash it. If it's not noble, nix it. If it's not just, junk it. If it's not pure, pass it. If it's not lovely, leave it. We saw the church, the early church, past Jesus' day on His earthly ministry, we saw them using this filter. One of the things that they came up against is, is they would gather together like we do and they would break bread and they would, they would do communion together. And they, they would, kind of like we would do when we do communion, that this is Jesus' body, it represents His body and this, His body being broken for us and His blood poured out for us and all these things. And, and people from the outside, people that weren't even in the church back then, would then make accusations against the church saying, they're cannibals! Dangerous to society, Christian cannibals is what they are because they're eating Christ's flesh and they're drinking His blood. And it was also kind of funny that the very same people that were making those accusations were also the same people in support of the Colosseum and, 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 and feeding Christians to lions and all these things. And here they are saying that Christians are dangerous because they're cannibals. And, and what did the church do? They put it through a filter to say, no, this is not true. You're saying this thing, but just because you're saying it doesn't make it true. God's Word tells us what's true, and it's not true. We're putting it through this kind of filter. And church, hear me. We need this kind of filter today. We live in a world where, thankfully, we've not really had much problem with this, but I know that there are lots of churches in the world that are being deemed as dangerous people because of COVID. They're, they're COVID-19, COVID they're dangerous people, threats to the public health, all that, yada, yada, and on and on it goes. Yet these are the exact same people that say, go to the zoo, go to the bar, go to the strip club, that's no problem, but don't go to the church. We need a filter church. We need a filter to wait. So, okay, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Wait a second. True. Pass it through the filter of Scripture. The Philippians 4, 8 through 9 filter is what we need, church. And thankfully, church, with God's Word, with God's Word that is a light to us, it shows us the way through these times. It's really not that hard to figure out what's what when you... When you when, if you are a believer and the Holy Spirit of God is residing inside of you, which He is if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have a Bible in your home and you can open it up and you can read it, man, it, I mean, it really kind of becomes easy to make some distinctions between these things. We must stand fast with discernment that we need and pray for those things. Church, if it looks like a skunk and it smells like a skunk and it walks like a skunk, what do you think it is? And Scripture makes some of those things really, really clear to us. So here's this Philippian church. Paul's getting ready to send them off as he brings this letter to a close, which we're not there yet, church, but we will be soon. He's sending them off with these tools that they will need for this road ahead. And boy, it ought to just be so 
wonderfully a blessing to us this morning to remember, church, that before, here's this Philippian church. Things are going great even in the culture at that time. Things are going great. But before they even knew the problem was coming, God was equipping them with the things that they needed. And God is able to do that today. Say amen. He is able to equip us, and He has through His Word to have all that we need. So the tools for the, that we need, these special kinds of tools, like-mindedness, peace from Jesus' exclusive ability, and a purity filter. Let that be true for our families. Let that be true for our church. I'll leave you with this last illustration of a story I heard this week that so perfectly illustrates the, the great weight of all this, the great, the overarching principle that I really hope you hear this morning. The story that I heard was of two boys that were alive during the time of the Revolutionary War. One of these boys was very rebellious, so he left his father's house. And one of the boys was not rebellious, so he stayed in his father's house until it was time to go to war. And later, these two boys meet each other. After a series of several battles, they meet each other. And the one rebellious boy that, was not, that did not come from the father's house, he was tattered by the battles that he, he had experienced. His body was wounded, and he had no means or measures to be able to bandage his wounds. He, was, he had been shot multiple times. He had... His body was in, in ill repair, to say the least, and he had, he had also been starving to death. He didn't have any food. They didn't have any food to bring the soldiers in this area. He didn't have anything to bring with him from home, so he was, he was in a mess. He was out of bullets. He was out of ammunition. He was, he was out of supplies, and, and he, was in a, he was in a dreadful state. The direction for this boy was bad. It was horrible. It was bleak. But the boy that was not rebellious and came from the father's house experienced the same battles, went through the same stuff. But you know what he had when he went into battle? He had the provisions from his father's house. He had bandages, more than enough to be able to take care of his body. He had food and extra clothing to be able to stay fresh and to stay alert and all the things that were happening around him. He was, he was in good repair. He had plenty of gunpowder, plenty of bullets. He was in good repair because he came from the father's house. And the question on the table this morning is, do you come from the Father's house? Are you facing this year ahead of us having come from the Father's house? Because I am convinced upon the authority of God's Word, I am fully convinced that when we come from His house, when we are His children, when we are the little birds underneath His feathers, when we seek the great peaceful place that it is to simply be in His shadow, that we have all that we need. Amen? That we have all that we need for this journey ahead of us and the future for us is not bleak it is not bleak it is not worth fretting over listen church the rock that we are putting our feet upon the rock of jesus christ and what he's done on the cross and the power over death that he has and the way that he has broken the back of sin and rendered it useless rendered it helpless the way that He has saved us, that rock, it can't be touched by anyone. Somebody say amen. amen. That rock cannot be touched by politicians. That rock cannot be touched by the day in which we're living. That rock cannot be touched by any force of hell. 
Some of them say amen. You have to understand that we are safe. We're secure. So what the future is uncertain? Sure, it's uncertain. You really think I'd be preaching up here, ready to run out of here any moment because my son is getting ready to be born? Like Life is always going to be uncertain except for those few things that we know, the things expressed of our Savior through His Word that we have a rock to stand on. And I'm safe because I'm coming from my Father's house. My future is not bleak. We can come to the music as the rest of us stand together. The way to be in the Father's house, in case you didn't know, is to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, to repent of your sin, to give your life to Him. The Bible says, He who loses his life for my sake will find it. You'll find it. You'll find peace. And that's the prayer that I have that that you have as well. Uh, Church, I love you all so much. I'm going to go home now to hopefully have a baby today. continue to pray for my wife and I Um, we're going to worship and then I'm going to ask Pastor Wally at the conclusion of this worship at the conclusion of this altar time if you would come to pray for the offering the gentleman will take the offering and then Brother Bruce will come to conclude our service together is that agreeable to everyone I love you all so much Abby and I will keep you updated as to how things go with the baby pray for us I love you all we'll see you all very soon God bless you